himself matt van foss and thank you for coming <laughs> in no problem thank you and um matt brought a guest with him he texted me last night and said i have a great idea i'm going to bring in nanny with a b because she has been there since the beginning thanks for coming in also thank you and um now i know where you live <laughs> <laughs> that's scary and um if any of our viewers from Coleraine and uh, mount pleasant area watching this thinking she looks familiar Think more pharmacy. <laughs> oh yes, that's right. Yeah. We used to rent videos from you every week after breakfast. <laughs> you know what? That's a, that was like the the one period of my life that you worked was at that pharmacy, right? When you worked at the yeah. pharmacy, and I didn't, I forgot they had VHS rentals. Mm-hmm. It would it'd be uh, Linda's now. Oh okay, yeah okay. There was a you would. Tiny, tiny, tiny kid. Well, what we need to do is just maybe give a second for our younger generations to Google look up VHS, VHS yes. and yeah. video rentals are. Exactly. Think about Blockbuster, <laughs> but at a pharmacy with a restaurant. Yeah. What's funny is, um, like, you remember, like, I remember when it, everybody come out with VHS. I don't care where you went. It could have been a mom and pop five and dime store they had a video rental section mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the one tire place it had a, it was and then you had those ones there was in wintersville there was there was the video rental and then there's the western swinging doors that oh yeah uh, yeah only yeah. the adults went into you had to check the, your the ID fun section <laughs> fun section <laughs> so new music new yeah. video yeah and it's it took off how many streams are you up to with this new single? The new single is almost 200,000 streams. 100,000 streams. I, it, it is working its way up there. Uh, I just had a conversation on my way here today with my radio promoter, Jennifer Blair. We're getting increased ads on a lot of the stations that are already playing us, and there's several new ones that are going to be adding us this week. So we look to actually show up on the um, music row charts within the next couple weeks. You have to get into the top 80 to make the physical chart that everybody sees so we're we're getting there we're super close so i'm pretty excited about it and then tomorrow starts um with our music video promoter mr craig ban who uh is going to get it on cmt nice oh nice so when you were saying like the song was going out for ads a lot of people ask me what that meant sure It's, it's basically you have everything ready to go for a certain time pretty much in a nutshell yeah so um, when you when a song goes for ads, there it's the official date that radio stations are allowed to start okay. adding it to um, their playlists. And just because it's out there doesn't mean they'll do it. But um, the way this has worked, and I'm getting a master class of it now, like some some stations picked it up for five spins for the week, mm-hmm. okay, and then it moved to ten. Today, a couple mm-hmm. stations moved it from ten to twenty. So it like, and that's what it is, ads. So like. There's a whole bunch of major label artists that are trying to get ad space, and then there's independent people. So each each spin that an independent artist gets is taking away from something that has a lot of money behind it. 
Yeah. And um, so it's like that thing I've said forever. Sometimes the only way to overcome a circumstance is someone giving someone else a fighting chance. And so these program directors are like mm-hmm. giving, giving some independent people a fighting chance. And even last week, um, I got a phone call from a buddy who has a friend at WCOL. And he's like, I need the, the wave file of the song and I need a liner. And I'm like, what? For WCOL? That's like the number one country station in Ohio. He said, yes, they like the song. Nice. Nice. So I think things, you know, are happening for a reason. And it's great um, that it is truly, well, you said this when I first sent it to you, um, truly me. Yeah. As Mm -hmm. a musician. And uh, I think that it's so cool to hear all these stories and all these people who have that name, you know, this, this get me now person that it will text you out of the blue and try to get you back into their lives. And they all have a name, they all have a story. And that's what I've always wanted as an artist is just to have something for people to relate to. That's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. I'm, I'm so happy and proud for you. It's, it's, it's just to, to see it coming. And I'd like the same thing. I didn't know about the ad process. Yeah. Yeah. So, so obviously uh fast car by Luke Combs has like, a, I saw you play that recently. Mm-hmm. 4 million yeah, right. cycles a day because it's right. like every third song. And I, I love Luke Combs, but I I was tired of Fast Car when Tracy Chapman played it. Sure, I understand. <laughs> it's just like, good Lord. I mean, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah uh, no disrespect to Luke Combs, but yeah, take some stuff away from him. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I guess that would be the goal. Um, and it's been interesting to just find out. Like, there was um, a week that um, Chris Stapleton put out a new single, mm-hmm. and it sucked up all the ad space. So I didn't get... Um, very many that week and then the next week cody johnson did so we didn't get as many that week but this week it's just everything every day some's coming out of the woodwork they're plus 10 plus 10 this that and the other so it's super it's i never understood because i never could understand it because Mm -hmm. i never i never had the money to put behind doing something like this and it's interesting like i said i just by you going through the process and you know talking to you and talking to razor like i didn't know how all that behind the scene and it's very interesting Mm -hmm. yeah and sometimes it leaves you head scratching sure but i mean now it makes now it makes sense and like you said chris stapleton who like you said has big label and money and everything that throw behind it like yeah yeah, he's gonna he's gonna jump but like you said now that you're getting more and more and people are hearing it and they're like now you're gonna start getting that and that's it's just it's it's amazing how behind the scenes work and you're actually the producer behind it too because you're putting everything out yeah yeah Yeah. and the you know the interesting thing is that you know last year i was able to come together um you know record a redone version of this were a love song with jamie o'neill bring her to the to the valley, mm-hmm. meet her, perform with her, become friends with her. And she has really helped me in this process. She introduced me to the radio promoter. She introduced me to the music video promoter. Like she has helped guide this, you know, and share, she shares things on her posts and stuff. And I think the interesting thing is I thought if I do a song with somebody that I looked up to, it was gonna like change my life. Well, maybe it didn't necessarily work out that way, but meeting her, and the knowledge that she has given me has literally right. helped me more than anything in the last decade of my life because I understand how things work now because yeah. I have a friend in the business that can tell me what to do. So 
that's awesome. I'm like again, I, I'm super happy for you. I'm, I'm just I, and you mentioned music video. Yeah. That's out on YouTube, right? It is. Yes. So for people wondering, like behind the scenes of music videos, take us through like that day. Are are you getting there early? Are you in makeup for two hours, and then <laughs> like, what's the filming like? How many times did you have to sing your song? <laughs> so I didn't wear any makeup that day. <laughs> I did not do that. So. One of the wonderful things I think about getting a song that you love and dreaming up the the video treatment. I didn't have uh, you know a video producer that was like I'm going to do this. I ha- I hired a friend a friend of mine's friend to do the video. Um, we rented the penthouse suite at the waterfront in Morgantown. I told him my idea. He um, furthered it into a storyboard um, that we followed that day. I had to sing the song ad nauseum because I don't I don't think lip singing it would have portrayed what we got out of it you can really tell when you watch music videos you can tell even if you don't know it's lip sync something feels off when it is even when you go to live shows and it's like yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so when you like when you watch that one at the midpoint of this video where uh, I hit that really big note and I turn to the side, and there's that rack shirt, which I'm wearing today. Um, <laughs> rack shirt's speed forever. But anyways, um, when you do that, when I did that, like, that is the true emotion coming out of my face. And that's actually one of my favorite parts of the whole entire thing. It's like, yeah. turn sideways, it's like, I'm angry. And it's so wonderful. Yeah. But to think that that was $500. And to have, that's all I spent. That's all he wanted to do the video. And to have a video that... Brass Lens Media did that is potentially probably going to be on CMT Nice that we shot in Morgantown. Mm-hmm. You know, like, who would have ever thought? I never would have thought. And I've never, yes, I've done some some semblance of music videos before, but never one like this. And, you know, just that whole entire thing. It's doing that whole, like, you know, well, you know Cody. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so Cody the drums, drums for me now. Like Shout he, out to Cody. Yeah, Cody Meadows, we love you. Um, but he always does this like cheers thing so that's why when i was sitting at the bar i was like i bet i know what brought this on mm. probably drinking there alone and i cheers the camera that was totally him like it was <laughs> so cool um and you know that's one of those things like and i thought about it through everything that just making sure that it authentically got the story across mm-hmm. so we definitely i i did um you know have to do some some things like I think I put on maybe I put on some um, lotion on my face I think I might have had a pimple that day <laughs> that's, the behind, that's the behind the scenes if you want I had a pimple um, but you know something going on also I had gotten my hair cut right before then and so I had the big fat roll in the back of my head that I that I hate so much that is just there but I heard it's genetic it's not really just because I'm fat so that was prominent in the video as well so it was a guest star I called it um, nice. in, in the video but I just, it's wonderful. Uh, it was such a wonderful experience. It was an eight-hour day. Um, we wanted to do more outside on the um, balcony. balcony, balcony, but it was raining. Mm. So we could only do things on the parts that were covered. Yeah. Um, because my whole entire thing was I envisioned this big note coming over the balcony because there's the river right there and all the stuff. But, and then we're getting wet. You know, so we didn't we didn't do that. Yeah. But I still liked my angry like aggression turn. <laughs> it was like wonderful. So And what's the Easter egg count? 
oh, <laughs> in that video because I caught a couple. I texted that... you. I'm like, does this mean this person? Does this mean this? Yes. And you're like, you're the only person that <laughs> you and you would be the only person because I mean, it's funny when you spend so much time with someone like mm-hmm. Jake and I did going to do all of these acoustic shows. Like we had a lot of time to talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, in the beginning of the video, uh, the background on the phone is the Titanic. Which, at the time, everybody was talking about that submersible that went down and right. imploded. So that was kind of the point behind that, but also because I love Titanic. And then once I throw the phone, it changes to Michael Myers. Um, and Michael Myers um, represents uh, a lot of things in my existence and some people um, that maybe the song is directed towards. So, oh, okay. so that um, that shares that commonality. What's funny is because... I. I, like, I didn't know, but I saw the Michael one. And I'm sitting there going, I didn't think he was that much of a horror fan. Oh, I love <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. I yeah, Halloween I, mean, I mean, but, um, yeah, now, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, and it's one of those things, like, we as people, you know, my background on my phone right now is a picture of my grandmother, Eric, and I, mm-hmm. and the Black Sheep, when we played that the last time. And, you know, we symbolically do things for based on certain reasons or whatever. Right. So in that moment of that person's life, me, whoever I am that day, you know, after I get a text from that person that I don't want to hear from, and this is the one thing that, like, really was our thing, like, you just throw the damn phone and there it is. And yeah. then, you know, there was another um, one as well. It was the number of texts that um, it got to from the ex. Um, it got to 69 texts. So that, that was an Easter egg, too. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to think if there was any others. There was a guitar in the background that was placed there on purpose um, just because I don't play. <laughs> 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 you know, that was my downfall. We talk about, talk about what, what musicians should be doing. You know, a lot of people are like, well, you don't play an instrument. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm not a real singer. Um, oh, you're, no, you, or George Strait, they talk about this. I read this the other day. They were talking about, well, you know, a George Strait ain't a real artist. He never wrote any of his hits. Well, I didn't know that was a requirement. Right. You know, to be, like, Reba's written two of her songs. I was about to say, if, if, if the, that person would know the amount of people that wrote for other people, yeah. be, I mean, their it's whole constant. world would flip. Yeah. It's constant. And that's the thing. Like, yeah, I was never blessed with that, um, that gift yet currently in my time to really have anything I want to share publicly with people because it was very dark and personal. But, you know, that doesn't take away from my ability to find music that will correlate to people and touch people in a way and and then produce the vocal. You got to match that emotion. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I will say that, you know, there are just some people out there that, I just even recently have had people say, "Well, it's just too bad you don't write." Like, it, it would be, wouldn't it be great if this song was doing well and you wrote it? But like I mean, the- you you look at how many. I mean, just probably all of us could name off five different people that are phenomenal writers that they don't want that spot. Like, yeah, they don't want to be yeah. up there singing. So, does their their songs not hold as much value because they don't want to sure. sing it? Absolutely not. That makes no sense. So yeah. you can't can't fault a musician and say well you don't write your own songs so what like you said remember we were talking about when the when you pick out a guitar you don't pick the guitar guitar guitar, same way with song right yeah Yeah. you just don't pick out a song that song picks you and it hits something in your core and in your your soul and you're like this 
this hits home for me on whatever with family with friends with loved ones with experience it it meshes with me and I, that's what i want to go after and that is exactly that's right and these these demos of Mallory Hopes that's she she and Phil Barton wrote four of the songs that are going to be on this new record these demos of hers um that she's given me i have been listening to them on SoundCloud since i first met him Mm-hmm. I mean, first met Jake. Like these were the songs that were getting me through the heartache of that time of my right. life. And then she got a Christian record deal, and she took all of her writing down. And I still knew the words in my head to these songs. And then one night you know, on Instagram, and I tagged her in something about one of the songs, and she got a hold of me. And the next thing you know, she's sending me the demos, and she's like, "I want you to." cut anything you want to because you know she she chose different life she her husband's a record executive she is a mother of four mm-hmm. and that's just not the life that she wants a lot of people yeah a lot of people just don't yeah yeah like yeah. um i don't know his name the guy that just wrote that rich men north of richmond oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. everybody's talking about like i can't believe he's turning down these eight million dollar contracts but you know what they don't say is like you know you sign one, and then a year from now, when you have a dying relative in the hospital, and you have a show that night, and if you miss that show, you owe the company $7 million. Right. You're yeah. literally selling your soul sometimes. And that's the thing that I think that people don't understand about all of those things. Like, even with the TV shows, The Voice or American Idol or whatever, you know, you sign a contract. So even if you get on the TV show and you don't turn a chair, yeah. you owe them 25% of what you make from singing for five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. who wants to take that risk? Because even the people that win the show don't always necessarily do much. So you know, for five years, you're playing for a hundred dollars. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Could be twenty-five. I, that's it. I'm mean, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm I won't. A lot of free I shows. won't uh, bring up their name, but we, Matt and I, opened up for is an American Idol or Voice winner twice, like five years yeah. away from each other. First year, he was still under that American Idol contract. You know, big production management, and then later on down the road, we opened up for him, and it was like, but two bottom, two top sound right. system bare and bones. bare bones, yeah. And that's when we had a tour bus, and they were in a sprinter. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, let's talk about those moments of the. Let's talk about that first time. Let's talk about that. Yeah, that's what bus. I was going to ask. Let's talk about how, the tour how, bus. How, how did? How did? Um, how did? I mean, I like naturally we know, but maybe people don't know. Like, give the uh, people watching the podcast kind of like your little biography. Like, how'd you get started? Where'd you go? When you got involved with him, and kind of walk them through to like kind of where you are now. So I started singing in karaoke contests uh, when they redid Wheeling Downs mm-hmm. in two thousand four, and uh, I remember distinctly rehearsing. Austin by Blake Shelton over and over and over and over again. I went. I did not win the first time. I got second or something. Um, But I got money, so that was helpful. Um, And I met this woman who was running at Joni Karaoke out of Pittsburgh. And um, honestly, she became like such a catalyst to me singing. And... Um, so a friend of mine that I had gone to, to elementary school with, his dad was there that night at the karaoke contest and he paid for my first demo. 
um, Randy Baldwin. He lives in Belair. Still forever grateful to him. And um, he paid for the first demo. So I went and the demo was literally just covering songs. So that first one had like Clay Walker and Jimmy Wayne and, you know, some some good old like 2003, 2004 country. <laughs> and still some of my favorite. But um, so then we just started doing contests. We, Grandma and I were talking about um, the one, I think it was the windmill, not the windmill, um, something in North wheeling that had like maybe it was a lighthouse it was the lighthouse that's what it was yeah and mm-hmm. i won that karaoke contest i remember i think i won 50 bucks but regardless <laughs> we traveled all over the place doing these contests and then i got into colgate country showdown contests which in the mid 2000s that was like a big deal like you submit a song blah 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 they pick 12 people you perform with a live band we went to one in Tyler County. Was that with Danger Frog? No, okay. that was that was Wheeling Island. Okay. Um, but we got there um, in Tyler County, didn't win the first time. We went to another one in somewhere in Coshocton, maybe. Didn't win that one. My mom was there wearing a Mountaineer's um, poncho in the rain because <laughs> she's an asshole. And <laughs> she just wanted to make everybody mad because we were in Buckeye Country and she was wearing a Mountaineer's thing. But... Um, and then the next year we went back to Tyler County and I won. And I remember grandma was there and I remember, uh, she had turned away from me because a lady nurse, she was a nurse. I'll never forget this. And she asked me to sign her boob <laughs> and I was like, um, my grandmother's right here. So let's wait till she turns and then I'll do it. Um, but it was, we had, we had such a wonderful time. So we went to States. Uh, it was in Parkersburg. I just was looking at pictures of this the other day. I did not win. I made wonderful friends from it, though. Heather Warren, um, that I just got to see when I was on vacation. Uh, she was an artist. She's super good songwriter. Um, and then we transitioned kind of into um, the Wheeling Island Idol era, era, which was the summer of 2009. WTRF sponsored a uh, Wheeling Island Idol. Started out with 500 people. I made the top five. Every week, every Thursday, we were actually there when Michael Jackson died. Like, mm-hmm. I remember distinctly coming out of there to get, like, a breath of air or something before I had to sing, and it was on the TV. Um, we got third. We made it to the top five, got third. And people were angry, <laughs> to say the least. There, I mean, because we had built, they would show it on TV every week. And we had built like this massive conglomerate of people that were coming. They had t-shirts, these like she's got right here, t-shirts. I'm a Van fan. I remember those fans. I mean, there was everything. And when when they announced that I got third, you could just hear people gasp. (laughs) And honestly, was probably what people didn't know is that I was working on my first record, mm-hmm. uh, the first incarnation of Time Ain't What It Used To Be and some other songs. But while that contest was going on, I lived in Columbus at the time and I was working on a record. So in October, after this was over, um, we did a CD release concert. Time Ain't What It Used To Be was already on WOVK. And we had over 500 people there with the, all the anchors from Channel 7 and all this stuff to, to celebrate. It was wonderful. Awesome. Um, so losing actually made me a winner. Yeah. Truthfully, because people were like, I'm going to get behind him. Yeah. He deserved you know, whatever. So it was wonderful. A guy that got second, he, um, I think, won 
year was like the number one Brett Michaels impersonator in the country. So, uh, was it Gary O? Yes. Yeah, from up around. Yes, yeah, he I got. Gary. Yes, he got second. <laughs> um, still better about that one. Not really. Not really. <laughs> um, but it was the it was the catalyst to everything. So that summer, um, we did all that, got that going on, and then in um, true fashion. So I'm going to tell a couple stories. I feel like this is important part of who I am as a person. So the first time I heard Tommy What Have You Used to Be on WOBK, my mom and I were going to Young's Cafeteria for breakfast. Didn't know it was coming on. It was a Sunday morning. I had played a gig somewhere, probably Generations, maybe the night before. And the next thing you know, there's the intro of the song. And I remember we were passing the sewage plant in, in Shadyside. <laughs> and <laughs> how appropriate. And we rolled down the windows, we were screaming, we were crying. Um, what, a, what a wonderful moment uh, to have, to share that with my mom. And then a couple months later she called and she was crying because they had played the song. And she's like, I've heard it a hundred times on the radio, but this time they started talking about you afterwards. And it hit me, that was my kid. And uh, that moment will live with me forever. Yeah. And then a couple of months later, I was working in Columbus, and she went to work on St. Patrick's Day, had a stroke at work, and never came home. And while I was on my way to the hospital, as I was getting off the Wheeling um, Hospital exit, I turned the radio back on because I had been calling people the whole entire way, and there was a song. Wow. So when people talk about how much, like, fate plays into things... And I know that I half gave up after she died. I mean, I have this lovely woman next to me, and I have been so thankful for all of her uh, time and presence. But, you know, they both were the catalyst of that number one fan for me. And um, she talked about me constantly to everybody. I still run into people that worked with her at the time that talk about how proud she was of me. And, yeah. and sometimes the darkest moments that I personally might be having uh, some struggles, that it's like she's sending me a message oh, wow. yeah. through somebody mm-hmm. else. So that's how we got there. So that, that summer, I remember calling my grandma, and I said, hey, um, so I'm going to play uh, side stage Jamboree in the Hills before Brooks and Dunn. You want to come with me? <laughs> and she was like, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so we got to um, we got to play side stage. Uh, it was one of those wonderful times. Where I think that a lot of times we forget, we took for granted Jamboree in the Hills. Mm-hmm. It was everybody's drunken vacation. It was whatever. But for a local artist to be able to play side stage in between these national acts during that time. Um, that just didn't happen. A lot of people, no. you, know, you know, a lot of people didn't get that opportunity. I was so blessed to have that opportunity. And then two years later, I'm playing main stage. I'm on the t-shirts. I'm in the program. And we were fortunate enough to do that the year that you joined mm-hmm. in 14 as well. Um, and then obviously, I think we could see the end of things was yeah. coming because, you know, I think that, there, you know, we want to we want to make money from the beer. We want to make money from mm-hmm. this. I mean, there was a whole laundry list of reasons that they wanted to change what they did. But... We, and just even thinking about when you were younger, talk about the, what, what the Jamboree USA that they had in Wheeling. Like, mm-hmm. national acts came every weekend to play there. And so what you saw 
And then Jamboree in the Hills on top of it. Like, Wheeling was kind of like a mecca. Yeah. Like yeah. a little mini Nashville, right? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, who did you see? Oh, Buck Owens, uh, Ronnie Millsap, uh, Crystal Gale, um, Johnny Cash. Oh, you saw Johnny Cash? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. On a Sunday. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, I, like I remember growing up, like I remember my parents come down to Wheeling to see like a number of acts. Like my mom's mm-hmm. a huge Statler brother fan. So oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh Statler brothers. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. I, I know that they've seen the Statler brothers. In fact, I think they their last live album was recorded at Capital City Music Hall. Oh okay. So, uh, but yeah, like we were just talking about that. Like the acts that would be at you know West Banco and. Mm-hmm. Capital Musical, and just it was. It was like you said. It was a mecca, and it just faded away. I remember seeing Reba McIntyre at the West Bank Arena in 1994, which, in many circles, 94, 95 people consider that like the height of her. She had more lights and tractor trailers on the road than Madonna did. I saw a thought <laughs> video of that the other day. She did. I mean, her shows in the 90s, you couldn't touch them. Right. And uh, obviously, that's why she's so important to me. I just think, and my grandmother, you know, much to her dismay. Um, I get to see her, though. She got to see her, though. But I, you know, it's just been a thing. I remember being at awesome. my great grandma Stella's house, being babysat on a Saturday, and there was this redheaded woman on the Grand Ole Opry. And I never, she never let go of me. You know, I'm 100 years old now at this point, but she didn't. She didn't. She never let go of me. Like, and I think she's been such a wonderful guide of who to be and how to be as an artist. And, you know, and that's why one of those reasons why I don't take things so personally when people say, well, wouldn't it be better if you wrote it? Because she's not written anything that was yeah. Yeah. huge of hers, but um, it was just so cool. And there's one of these things I always remember this. And obviously, I want this. I'm going to say this to you now here, so you can't say no. But. The, on the back, the cellar door of my grandparents' house is this super old, faded license plate that says, I love country music. And that has always stuck with me. That, that, I would, honestly, it should be an album cover, probably, coming soon. We'll see. Nice. But, um, you know, I think about all of these times that we had. I mean, even together, all of the years that we played together, all the things we saw, all the... And that's one of the things that I don't, I don't think people appreciate enough, specifically about Jake, is that nothing phases him. Like nothing upsets no. him. They, no. they could not know where we're gonna do this or not know where we're gonna do that. And he was like, "Cool, we'll figure it out." Yeah. Um, it's so. It was just so good. Like such an experience to see this kid on Jamboree in the Hills on TV with his like. What was that guitar? It was a Razorback. Yeah, it was the Dean Razorback. It was this like nowhere near country guitar, but it was just so wonderful. You know, we and we did. That's what that's what that was all about. Like if you need something, I'm going to I want to take care of it. I'm going to do this, we're going to do that. It was like a brotherhood. We're just going to yeah. take care of each other. And that's what makes you happy in music is in in being around people because you have to like the people that you play with. So yeah. important. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's so important because if you don't, it makes life miserable. I mean, there's more time on the road than there is actually like performing and doing music. Oh, yeah. You have to be with people that you can sit 
on Route 70 or yeah, State Highway 70 with and just be able to talk to. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember we've had plenty of plenty of uh, hiccups, but specifically, let's let's pay homage here where it's due. So let's talk about that first tour bus trip <laughs> with Mike Palmer and uh, Doug Boston had gotten us a, a tour bus and we had uh, the guy from the newspaper was coming to do a ride along with the Van Foss and crew and um, <laughs> it was just before or after Almost Famous. He's like, hey, I got an idea. I'll ride along with this bus. <laughs> um, I'm sure it was after, but <laughs> wonderful trip up. There was just all these people. We're all, were you not? You weren't, you didn't there. ride there. Because you, that's because she was camping with her boyfriend already at the place we were going to play. Nice. At Wood Lake. I remember this. At Wood Lake. When Buck had that. Oh, okay. That oh, camper yeah. that was like a teepee. So anyways, yeah. so we do the ride along up there and, and Doug parks this tour bus behind the stage in the grass and and we we set up and we perform and it gets mildewy out and she just sunk in. Just what happens when dirt gets a little wet, just a yeah. little muddy little. Especially <laughs> when there's a, you know, a megaton bus. Tons and tons, yeah. yeah. So couldn't get out. <laughs> Some trucks tried to pull the bus out with chains, and they snapped like yeah. nothing. Um, Had a call wrecker. Call, call wrecker that came out of like I don't know something. It was it was crazy. We I just remember we had taken all the comforters out of the tour bus. And some of us were wrapped in comforters sitting on the stage because <laughs> And I thought, well, surely he's not going to write about this in this article. But much to my dismay, Mr. Palmer did write about that. Nice. The article was wonderful. Um, but yes, he did point out that we were stuck the, in the grass. The trials and tribulations of. Tour life. Tour life, yeah. <laughs> and then a couple of years later, we were going with, it was a sprinter. I think we had the sprinter yeah. and um, something else. And um, we were driving to a show in Columbus, and all of a sudden, I don't know where it snowed. I honestly, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that was the show. We got stuck on the interstate for a while. We sang videos in the car. Yes. We did that. Mm -hmm. And that was the show. That was the very first show that your mother in law came to Be Valentine's on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Day. 2014 with her crappy date. Yeah. And the only thing that got her through was this chubby guy in a pretend cowboy hat. I was say, that was the only time you wore a cowboy that's hat. That's it. And it was fate. It was fate. You weren't there. <laughs> which, but, yeah. which I, I, listen, you have no idea how grateful that, that I am that the date for her went horrible <laughs> and that you were there because, like you said before, how just sometimes the universe lines up mm -hmm. and her meeting you. And then her daughter her coming daughter going to the next show and becoming obsessed with stalking Jake. Jake yeah. And then her them being in the area for the bridal show and it yeah. Her, and yeah. So uh yes, thank you for playing that show on Valentine's Day because you've now made me probably the happiest man who, on the planet. Who did we open up Jeff for? Bates. Jeff Bates. That's Jeff right. Bates. Yeah. And you know what? I think about that a lot. I think about the amount of life that came from that one event mm -hmm. yeah. first of all i love your wife in more ways than i can count obviously not you know that way but i you know she's such a soulmate of mine mm -hmm. and that was such a wonderful moment and then 
the next time we played there, Blazing Saddles, mm-hmm. that doesn't exist. Um, and then the daughter came, and just the look on her face when she saw Jake for some reason, even though she came with another guy. I told her to ditch the zero and get with the hero. Right. That was my line. <laughs> that was my line. And you think about that looking That's back now. <laughs> it did. Like, it was all a catalyst mm-hmm. to... I remember distinctly when I did the GoFundMe for the 90, 1984 album, and Kaylee was like, I don't want dinner with you. That was one of the rewards. Yeah. <laughs> was dinner with I don't want dinner with you. Can I have dinner with your guitar player? And I said, sure. And that was it. Um, and then I married them, you know, which was wonderful. I cried um, <laughs> when I did that. Um, and now they have another baby on the way. And it's yeah. just like, it's funny how life has just worked out this way. It's so wonderful. Like, well, I, regardless of what happens, like, I know if something happens to me and I'm gone in 10 years, like, you're, every time you see your wife, you're going to think, of me i'm selfishly saying that but but like after i'm gone if i leave this world before you you're going to be like you're going to be like he you know this yeah. happened because of this and and it just makes me so happy yeah um so speaking just of Blazing so many Saddles, events that happen like yeah if that didn't happen we wouldn't be bong and jungle juice i'll blame my roots while, while, while <laughs> with eric's friends shout out to eric's friends that's that's when uh <laughs> well first of all you are friends when when um uh, Played Blame My Roots, and I, I probably told you this, but when, when Razor called and said, "Yeah, you can play bass force," I was driving to my parents' house, and I pulled off the side of the road. I jumped out of my car and I started <laughs> like jumping up and down. <laughs> then I get to play with Matt. I'm playing with Razor. It's Blame My Roots. It's it was like same thing. It was like I was so stinking excited, and then, uh, I probably the nervous most nervous i've been since my very first ever gig just because you know i, I want to make sure that i do everything right and then by the end of it i'm off the stage <laughs> yeah. like bonging some fluid <laughs> yeah, like, from I don't, people I don't even know and i'm like and i was like yes it's yes. funny because like when you bong something like that it only happens in like one and a half seconds, but in your mind, like right, there's right. like a whole episode that happens. So I'm like, am, am like, I gonna have to go for monthly testing after this? Did, yeah. I just, did, I, did I just get hepatitis? What, what happened? What there? was what was there? And you know, I think that that's that is true. And even in that moment, um, as we did that that day, you know, a lot of this, and I think I, I believe in giving credit where it was due. You know, a lot of what happened between eleven and 16 you know musically um you know if jug and his parents hadn't come along and said you know we want to pay for you to go in the studio you know i wouldn't have had any of that music and there was a time that you anything i put out to froggy in pittsburgh like they spun it like it was crazy yeah um constantly playing on there and you know those were super wonderful you know times there was so much good that came from it and i think that you know, I'll forever be grateful for that. Um, and it doesn't mean I don't love those songs either. I right. mean, I know Boom will be the bane in my existence. But how many people come up to you and be like, I relate to Boom so much? Oh my God, you, they all do. You know, but, they all do. But like, as far as like, compared to like, Get Me Now, I'm sure a lot more people are like, this relates to my life so much more than just, just talking about bar stools the whole yeah, time. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, sure. And I think that you that's... You like connection with somebody. That's... I was listening to a song the other day. And I sent it to your wife today, and she said I only listened to four lines and didn't make it to the chorus because I can't listen to it until after work because I'm going to cry. But 
there's a song that uh, was just released, and I waited. I it was released during Mother's Day, and I couldn't do it. Um, but there's a artist that I loved um, in the early 2000s called uh, her name was Rebecca Lynn Howard, and she released a song called "I Am My Mother." And I waited and, and waited and waited, and then finally the other day I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this because I had seen clips and whatever. So I listened to it, and that's everything that made me feel. Is what I hope to God that my new record will do for people. Like, it doesn't matter if I ever play a stadium for 50,000 people. I would love to. My goals right now are Music Row Chart, Grand Ole Opry, CMT, and then see what happens. I have short-term goals. I think it's realistic to try Mm -hmm. to do that. But, like, if I can make people feel the way that she made me feel in my car, um, I've done my job, I think, for sure. Yeah. So, speaking of doing our job, so, since Nanny's here, do you think we could have, let's share, share your favorite experience thus far, your proudest moment of uh, nannydom? Well, we know it wasn't you signing that boob. <laughs> We've already established that, so. Where do I start? My goodness, I've been every step of the way with you, so you know that. Um. I don't know. You're you're so good. People, I I don't know. I don't know why, but people just don't know. I was telling the Comcast guy today how good you was. He knew you. Oh, I mean, really? He's seen you before. Oh, okay. So anyway, you know, I don't know where to start. Yeah, I think my favorite place we play we played acoustically regularly was the wine cellars, because that that would always be like a family dinner almost before we would go up and perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That was always a good time. We had such a wonderful, um, wonderful experience there. And I'm just thinking the 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 year that we rode into Jamboree Hills on the tour bus. And then we played that stage. I wasn't on the bus that day, I don't think. I don't, I don't remember specifically, yeah. but just thinking about standing on the side of that stage, what was, what was that like? See, all those people. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> just all those people you, keep, you just can't imagine until you've been there. Yeah, that's true. And nobody will get to now. And the yeah, outfits yeah. that some of these people was wearing. Oh <laughs> the outfits God. are cooler. Speaking of which, those ladies that um, were always wearing the American true. flag yeah. bikinis, they two of them messaged me the other day about this song. <laughs> I thought, well, you know, if I can make you feel something, then I think I've done my job right. Yeah, that's right. I remember specifically this one time we were at Blazing Saddles, and I still have this picture of you doing a shot. Oh, I was, I was blackmailed into You that. were blackmailed, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, I do have it. I, one of these days, it'll probably end up my background on my fan, so people will be like, oh. oh but I God. do tell her, and that's one of the things that I did. I even did this the other day. She wasn't, obviously she wasn't there, but I played at the Parksburg Homecoming last week, and I told everybody the story about how um, my grandmother um, has a boyfriend. There was like 2,000 people there, but I told them my grandma has a boyfriend, and that's where she's at tonight. And so we're going to sing Dust on the Bottle, and she's probably drinking a little bit of wine with Uncle Buck. That's what I get to call him. He drinks beer. He drinks beer, but regardless. So I always tell her a little story, and it's funny because I said to them, 
we were talking about something and I said, oh, don't tell my grandmother that my beard isn't shaped correctly because she doesn't even like me to have it, let alone if she knew I looked like a mess, she'd get me. <laughs> she doesn't like, like beard. Like facial hair. She's weird. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, it's, when I, at one point I really had, you know, my beard was like... Yeah. You were like Chris here. Stapleton's cousin. Yeah, distant, yeah, special yeah. cousin. Special. <laughs> uh, but in my mom, that's she was the same way. She was like, I, I get it. I understand why. Like I said, 20 plus years in the military okay. and you're told how to look. Yeah. You come out and you're like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. And she understood. She didn't like it. Yeah. She understood. But, you know, after treatment, I know, like I said, it's not going to have it back. So that's how I'm kind of experimenting with like the Martin Van Buren. Sure. Of, like whatever you want to call this. But uh, I mean, mine's just for double chin coverage. That's all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in fact, if I make a mistake. And then I have to shave it all off, and I go to work, and they're like, you look like a fat 12-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. At least I'm young. Um, they do. They say that. But, you know, they keep me in check. And then, like I said, when I went through treatment, and, and I lost, I had people literally look at me in, that I've met since, and they're like, I've never seen your chin. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it since 2015 either, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> No, but like going back to what you said, like when when you have those songs that just hit you to your core, it doesn't necessarily mean like what genre there is. Mm -hmm. Like like there's been songs that like uh, they could be metal songs, like heavy, but you listen to those lyrics, and I mean it just I mean it could be double bass, all metal. And it can bring a tear to your eye because it literally just like reached right into your soul and it just got you where you were. And I get that. Like you, you hear those songs that just like. Um, go ahead. No, that's just it. Like you, you get to that point and it just, it, it hits you and it like it buckles your knees. And that like, when you hear that, especially, especially you as a singer, when you find that song, that makes you feel like that. And then you find it connects you with how many other people that said that really hit me. That's gotta be just mind blowing it's, for you as a singer. It's, gold. it's your song. It's gold. When people come up to you and be like, Oh man, that, that hit me right here. And you're like, yeah, that's, I, I have never had a song that's only been out weeks. That is almost at a hundred thousand streams. Mm -hmm. It's never, yeah. I, I don't have a song that has a hundred thousand streams period. Um, and honestly, you say that and you're talking about genres like, okay, it's like because of you by Kelly Clarkson does that for me. Mm -hmm. But when I'm pissed off at the world, I will put one step closer by Linkin Park on on repeat in my car <laughs> and I'm screaming <laughs> it at the top of my lungs. And it just makes me feel better. I'm not going to attack anybody, but it gets that anger out of me and that mm -hmm. rage. I think that we all have those go to songs for everything that's going on. And I, you know, I just want to be someone's go-to song for something. Yeah. You know? Do you remember, it was right when Where You Going to Run To Now came out, maybe like a month later, we were playing in Steubenville, and the owner of this bar is like, this song is me. He said, my wife and I split up. I'm kicked out of the house. He said, where am I going to run to now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and to, not, not to not to say that anything I've recorded before didn't have a meaning or a purpose because it a lot of it did um i mean tell me what it used to be my god yeah like 
And the older I get, and when I recorded that song, I was 25 years old the first time. Mm-hmm. I'm now, and, um, you know, I'm going to be 40 next year. And Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah no, it, it is, is a shame. Yeah. And to think about how my life has changed in those 15 years. I mean, I lost my mom. Mm-hmm. This year, I lost my father. I'm, you know, thankful every day that I have her here with me. But, you know, like, I'm like a... 39 year old orphan just trying to find his way through life and um i thank god for these experiences because you know every time i sing that song every single time and i know he can attest to it i always say i tell that story of mom and then i say i'm sending this up to her to heaven because that was the only song she ever got to hear her kid sing on the radio and so forever there will never be a day that I sing somewhere, that I don't sing that song. And there's just so many people that can relate to it. And I know your life has to, now that it has changed and you're married with a child, like I feel like you, another one on the way, like you have to really feel what that is. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't stay the same. No, your whole brain gets rewired. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you do. It's crazy. It's like, I remember on your 30th birthday, we were playing at CDs, and you're like, my youth is over. <laughs> Ten years ago. All right, hold on. Let's let's take a moment, and let's, okay. Kids, you can Google CD. That's compact disc. Right. You had the whole big book in your car because you had to. It was, yeah. Oh, I remember getting the phone call from her when she finally got rid of the Equinox, and she was like, there's no CD player in my car. How am I supposed to listen to you anymore in the car? And I'm like, Yes, you're just gonna have to not, or we can figure out your phone. All right, so George Strait. Oh, yeah. So George Strait. I, she has always talked about how much she wanted to see George Strait. So when my dad passed away, and I had some some fortunes change. Um, you know, my my dad was um, a complicated person, very um, for sure, and for all of his flaws and all of his um, shortcomings that happened in our lives uh, much I mean there were many years I remember we talked about Jamboree Hills that time I was opening for Brooks and Dunn him and my brother were drunk calling me yelling screaming I needed you know they were in a domestic dispute like that that's the stuff that people don't know like mm-hmm. you know I had to shut my phone off and go sing in front of all of these thousands of people after being called names by my own father. And so, and that was constant. And the last two years of his life, he changed in a way. He was sober and he had changed in a way that I did never expected. Um, And he ended up having a life insurance policy that went to me. I don't know. I didn't know that at the time. But so he gave me this new record. He gave me, uh, you know, a fence for my dogs, you know, so they can be safe. My dogs that I love, you know, at home. Um, shout out to Rose, Landon, Reagan, and Sadie. <laughs> and, of course, their caretaker and my uh, favorite person, Eric. And, you know, he he ruined a lot of things in our lives, specifically holidays. And so when I thought about it, I thought, you know what, I don't want... One, for her to not ever see George Strait. And two, I don't want her... I want to be able to to apologize for him. From him. And mm. so I 
got her, we got stadium seats, and we went. We're good. And it's not going to be forever. You know, it's not like it's going to make up for everything, but it was a wonderful day. Um, she didn't really care for Chris Stapleton. Um, no? He looks, he needs a bath. <laughs> and a haircut. I'm sorry. Her opinions do not represent the opinions of the station. Um, but... but he come out on that stage in all of his 70 plus years of age. 71. 71. It mm-hmm. was probably one of the best things. And he sang for two hours. Like he, I, I knew all the words, which was scary because I didn't think I did. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I've never said, I would never say I wasn't a fan of George Strait, but I wasn't like, you know, obsessed with him. But like when he came out on that stage and he sang run, mm-hmm. like I was done. And, like, so much so that I've added two George Strait songs to my shows <laughs> now. Um, like, it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and his his musicians were all his age. They have played with him for all these years. And you see that they do it because they love it. Right. And 66,000 people were eating out of his hands. 69,000. Oh, I'm sorry, 69. <laughs> I, I knew I would be corrected if I was incorrect. Um, but so I sent her um, CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, from Amazon of George Strait, so two live albums and this, that, and the other, and you know. But what an experience for us to have together. I mean, because I took her to see Reba, and she got to see her on the floor, and you know, she could understand a little bit why I love her so much. Mm-hmm. And then I fully understood after that. Like I haven't stopped talking about George Strait since mm-hmm. May. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's been it has been wonderful. But I think you know sometimes you just don't know until you see them. Yeah, um, you don't know what they have to offer, and I right. just think even though there was no pyrotechnics and flashing lights and this that and the other, like you just were captivated by this man until he was gone. And then the next day, all we did was talk about well, he didn't sing this one, he didn't sing this one, he didn't yeah. sing this one. Well, he couldn't sing everything, right? Um, but you know, there was a lot of them that he didn't sing. Like, why didn't you sing "Carrying Your Love with Me"? Hello, like, what hmm. are you doing? Um, but. So that was another one, you know, just again, these wonderful experiences to get to have them in. And so for me, like, that was what it was. It was like, you know what? He knows. He he knew how bad he screwed a lot of things up. But I could I could try to apologize for him a little. Yeah. And give her yeah. that. And, you know, that was a wonderful day that I will cherish. Mm-hmm. Even down to the um, me making us go out the wrong side of the horseshoe. <laughs> And having, and having to call an Uber at 12.30 at night <laughs> to drive us back to the parking lot that we were at. <laughs> because we could, you know, she's a little, she's a little older than she used to be. So a bit. <laughs> um, we had to, you know, I had to get her there safely. And that was one of the things, too, is like trying to find a hotel room in Columbus while that was going on. And I think that big rock thing was going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. $500. Was the cheapest hotel in oh, <laughs> but but it was worth every minute of it. Absolutely, <laughs> I mean it was great. And but that Uber driver, he's like, "Oh, you went to the George Strait? Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Where's your hotel? Yeah, I just need I to get to. The we party. just need to get. I need I to get to my car. Side of the party. <laughs> yeah, I just. I'm, yeah. You're literally here to just take me to my car. She's a little older than she used to be, and we need to we need to make sure she gets to sit. But that was her first Uber ride. Mm-hmm. So she's now yeah, Uber. Oh, really? At yeah. eighty two, she's an Uber. Um, Remember the first time you saw a Lyft car in Nashville? Oh, God, yes. Like, so when Ubers and Lyfts first came out in, like, the cities, they would have, they would put mustaches, giant mustaches on the front of their cars to let you know that's an Uber, and that's the first time we saw it, and Matt ran 
in probably like four lanes of traffic in front of this car to like check this like pink mustache yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Drunk in Nashville just yeah. down uh down what's the main road in Nashville? Broadway. 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 Yeah. Spring down Broadway to chase this car. Yeah, I would I might have drank a little <laughs> that day. I hear that. Story. Well, that's <laughs> uh, that's a prerequisite for Broadway, is it not? I think you There were times that I was there. I think that there's I didn't a 12 drink, drink minimum. <laughs> there might be. So on this show, the three things people are most rabid for are music, sports, and food. When you come to this area, you guys get together. Where's the restaurant that is your go-to? We that's open right now. It's open currently. Yeah, it's open currently. Um, well, her and I typically go to TJ's, TJ's. a lot of the times, right? Um, that's across the river. It's across the river, you know, you're wheeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we go to TJ's, and I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the fact that they still have some of the LB's stuff, yeah. so that okay, might have something yeah. to do with Closest it. Closest you ever can yeah. come to a Slim Jim is still at TJ's. Right, so. and yeah. <laughs> um, we used, well, um, we've been to the Roosevelt in Belair. I've heard good things about 90 too. years they've been open. Um, that specifically as some place that like my mother and father took us there when we were kids. My mother took, like we, I have never stopped eating there. In fact, the cook is the same cook that has been there since I was a child. And when I walk in there and I'm assuming it's because he's known me since I was a child, but it also could be because I, you know, people pretend to know that I'm like, I'm a part-time country star. So, but every time <laughs> I come in, he's like, bah! and it's like, it was always wonderful. I mean, there's, there's, there's 10 tables in the place that's how small it is, but their food is so good. Yeah, I keep hearing that. We gotta go. Yeah, you really do, and it's cheap. Like it's good and it's cheap. And listen, I mean, all the years we were together, you rarely ever see me eat a salad. But when I go there, I get a chopped salad. Ooh, chopped salad. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day, like, what was our like go to like on the road? I'm thinking probably hungry howies i remember we had a lot of the hungry yeah. howies oh god pizza. that pizza well pizza in general was always yeah. a go-to that's mm-hmm. the scary part about that that's probably why i'm still so fat but <laughs> i used to drive i used to drive jake to every time we were anywhere near a big boy if it was 50 miles within a big boy we were yeah. going to that big boy Dad. we went to big boy for breakfast when after george street oh yeah the yes we did <laughs> well what's <laughs> funny is the lb seasoning salt i absolutely love it you can only you can only find it like I find it on Amazon, and it's so ridiculously priced to get it. But and I, I spend it. Well, <laughs> I spend get... it every time on a three pack. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Yeah. If you go to www.bigboy.com, they have a pantry shop, and that seasoning salt's in there, and it's not ridiculously priced. Gotcha. Yep. Thanks. You can buy the tartar sauce. You can buy the um, really all the. Sauces. Oh, I'm not gonna lie. They're, a three pack off Amazon is forty two dollars. Yeah, no, and I get it. Like there are yeah. things that I just don't skimp on. That's probably would be one of them. But every time I go visit anywhere, specifically for work, they sent me to Michigan, and it, it's not Frisch's in Michigan. It's Big Boy. Yeah, mm. and I it was terrible. Every day after work, I went to a different big boy because there was like 15 within 20 minutes. And so I would go and they're like, don't go below eight mile. And I'm like, <laughs> my next thing you know, the one I went to is six mile. And I was like, oh, well, I guess what? But they had all kinds of crap. You could buy the batter for the onion rings. I mean, everything. it was wonderful. Um, and they're really just like still trying to like stay valid. Although they sold pizza now, which was weird. Hmm. It was weird. I didn't order the pizza. Yeah, I, I like the same, same thing growing up. Like in, in Steubenville, there was like three Albies. 
Yeah. yeah. And yeah, there's so much that it's such a, you know, part of, I know, me growing up. And pay homage to the fact that that big boy sign in Weirton stayed up until like two years ago. Yeah. They, they made they the papers when they took it yeah. down. Oh, even the, the one in the Mexican place that was at the El Boys in Stoomville. Yeah. It's still the same shape. They yeah. just put Puerto Vallarta on it. Right. So every time <laughs> I drive by it, I still. you And you can, that's the thing about those buildings. Like if they're still standing, you know they were. Yeah. And yeah. that's probably one of the other annoying things. Jake would be like on the road with me. And I'm like, look, that was an Elby's. Look, that was a Hardy's. That was yeah. a whatever. That was a Hills. You know, like you. Hills. Yeah. 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 Um, what was the name of the mall you took me to in Cincinnati? Oh, it was Forest Fair Village. Yeah, um, Ben served overseas with a guy from Cincinnati, and when they came back, we were talking about that abandoned mall. There's a abandoned mall that you can walk around through, mm-hmm. and it's trippy. Was, was that the mall where you guys hit the mystery button on the bus? No. Okay. It's a different mall. It's a million square feet. Mm-hmm. And at the time we were there, I haven't I haven't been there since, but yeah. at the time and it's still open for people to walk in. But at the time that we were there, there was a Bass Pro Shops. So you couldn't even get into it from the mall, but it was attached to the mall in a Coles and an arcade store, and that was it. The rest of it was Everything dimly was, lit security yeah. officers on Segways patrolling because they didn't want you in there taping. The trippiest part was going by the movie theater and seeing movies from like whenever it shut down mm-hmm. and say like oh one you saw all wow. like the oh it, yeah. it's crazy and that's one of those things too like it, it's just like a guilty pleasure for me one because I think I think a lot of times when I think back on this and I'm sure everybody does as they age like they think that like that time in the early 2000s or late 90s was like the best t- of times. And for me, it was. I mean, everyone I loved was still alive and all this stuff. But, like, to see how epically things can fail yeah, on yeah. such a grand scale um, and be in it and see the remnants of, like, Babies R Us and Toys R Us mm-hmm. and this and the other, and you're just like, yeah, wow. It's just creepy. Like, you can't explain well, the feeling. That's I, For me, it's, you know, I know that I'm going to show my age. Mine was same thing. Uh, growing up in the 80s. You know, when malls were really oh, yeah. malls and when CDs finally come out and, mm-hmm. you know, every, like Fort Steuben was every place was, it was every storefront had something in it. And in fact, I remember growing up is, you know, my parents, we would go to a different mall in Pittsburgh. We go up Century to Youngstown. Three. Did you go to Century, Century 3? Century 3 was, yeah, it was oh, just. Yeah. It was everything. But I mean, it was everything you go to this and we'd spend an entire saturday and you just you know there was toy stores and there was you know i worked at a national record mart when i was a kid so yeah i mean i that's Mm -hmm. and you go into those places now and it it it, to a point it almost like breaks your heart because like you said i can walk in fortune mall remember that was york steakhouse that was the potato patch that's where tom mccann was that was where elby's was in the mall there was one in the mall and there's one on sunset boulevard it just but you walk in there now, and it's just... And even when they, they're they trying to bring back Fort Steuben, and it was a point to where it was... They were giving deals for people to yeah, come in. Yeah, they come were, in they're six getting, months rent-free. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you wanted to do a storefront. Now, you, had to, you had to do all the construction and all that sure, other yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. but it was six months rent-free to get up and get started. And for a quick second, I, I had thought about it, and I'm like, but they're dead. Like, I could put all this yeah. money in, and it's they're not gonna come back the way that yeah. we we had them when we were younger and it's just it's it's sad and so um 
to put a cap on this episode, we'll get away from our dead and dying retail infrastructure. <laughs> we'll go back to the music. <laughs> get Me Now, new single, pretty much everywhere, Apple Music, Spotify, yep. new video. Catch it on YouTube. And you can purchase it on iTunes. Purchase song on iTunes. So if you love the video forget me now you can have it on your phone nice very cool and ring 10 matt's most successful single stream wise keep it let's keep it going up let's get him to cmt let's get him to radio get him everywhere yeah and let's get him to nashville and um <laughs> <laughs> let's, and, uh, let's get it down yeah we'll uh we'll be a road just so we can pay for